From the battlefield to the home front, our military is ripe with incredible stories and we want to tell them to you. Welcome to the Stand Guard Podcast, a show dedicated to uncovering the remarkable stories of our service members and our military history that often goes untold. I'm your host, Tim Coster, and as always, I'm joined by my co-host, Major Dave Pitlick. Let's see what we can dig up today. One of the biggest and probably least talked about perks of the military is the ability to travel to amazing places and take advantage of some incredible once-in-a-lifetime opportunities. On today's episode of the Stand Guard podcast, we're joined by Captain Scott Stone, an infantry officer with Alpha Company, 1st of the 102nd Infantry Regiment, the West Hill High School head boys lacrosse coach, and a member of the U.S. Army's 2023 Edelweiss Raid Team. First of all, I do want to thank you for taking the time out of your day to speak with us today. I think this is a really interesting story that a lot of people are going to find uh, really cool. For those who don't know, could you explain what the Edelweiss Raid is? Sure. So in Europe, they call it the, the unofficial world championships for military mountaineering. Um, and basically, it's a two-day endurance race on skis um, where we'll be moving up and down uh, the mountains around the, the Austrian Mountain Warfare Training Center. And then uh, throughout those two days, there's various uh, military and mountaineering related tasks. So, <clears throat> excuse me, things like uh, high angle shooting, uh, crevasse rescue, rappelling, uh, land navigation, range estimation, all kinds of different um, skills that are required by both mountaineers and military service members alike. That's awesome. And I know you wrote an article about your experience the last time you went on this. Um, how did you get involved in this this program? So that was honestly just like one of the luckiest things I think that's ever happened to me. Um, you know, the when Major Fry, who at the time was the the operations officer at the uh, the Mountain Warfare School, first kind of became aware of this, they they basically sent an email out to the the 86 Brigade, the Mountain Brigade, and was looking for mountain qualified guys who were were good skiers. Somebody remembered that I was both of those things, and and basically just sent me an email and said, Hey, would you be interested in doing this? Um, and I immediately said, yes, it seemed like an awesome opportunity. And so I know that the team that you're going over there with consists of mostly 86 brigade people, but you have people from all over the country. Is that correct? Yeah. Um, you're correct. Most of them are from the 86, um, or from the mountain warfare school, um, co-located up in Jericho. Um, we've got guys from, from Colorado. We've got guys, two of us from Connecticut, the majority of the team's coming from Vermont, and then we've got one or two outliers. I think we got somebody who's in Alaska right now, somebody's in Montana right now. Um, it's a pretty, pretty good mix from across the guard. Is it all guard, or is it a uh, cross component with active duty and reserve as well? Everybody on the team is guard, which is a pretty cool thing for us. What was the the process of getting on this team? Was there tryouts? Was it just you know were you hand selected? What was the process? So that first time around uh, back in 2019, it really was sort of just like, who wants to go? And we, we barely got enough to, to have the eight-man team to, to head over there. Um, as we've gained a little popularity with it since then, um, there was a tryout this year. And pretty much they came up with sort of a, a point system based on different qualifications that guys already have, their skiing experience. Um, previous uh, Edelweiss raid experience was um, weighed pretty heavily. So that helped me a little bit. Um, and then just the physical tryout for it, right. Just making sure that guys were in the, the cardiovascular shape to compete. Um, the big event for that ended up just being a run up the toll road. at Stowe. it's about the, the hardest three and a half mile run you'll do. 
Awesome. So uh, what is your, you know, you, you talked about you were a good skier. What's your experience with skiing? Was it something you did growing up? Was it something you've done competitively? What, what's, what's your experience there? Yeah, so I was never a competitive skier. Um, I was fortunate enough that I've been skiing most of my life. My, my parents were skiers, and I kind of grew up doing that. That was all mostly like resort skiing, though, riding the lifts, um, skiing down, having a good time. Uh, it wasn't really until sometime in college when I started getting into alpine touring or backcountry skiing, right? Getting out in the woods and off the resort, walking uphill on climbing skins and finding the, the good little stashes away from where all the people are. And I really just kind of fell in love with that. It's one of the best ways to experience the mountains for sure. Could you go a little bit more in detail about the events that happened during this challenge and like how intense is it? Is it, you know, kind of just like a, a fun experience or is it pretty, you know, physically and mentally demanding as well? Um, yeah. So we all pretty much call it type two fun, which is basically that it's, it's not haha, we're all having a good time fun, but it's one of those things that once you're done with it um, is a really awesome experience. So during the race, it, it's certainly challenging, right? You're, you're, heart rates up, you're moving pretty quickly through through two pretty full days. So it's a lot of hard work, right? It requires a, a lot of preparation. It requires a lot of kind of planning as you're going through and how you're going to, you know, manage your water and your food intake and manage your output to make sure that you can get through the whole thing. It's interesting because you're very much competing against yourself with your team. Over the course, the, the team spread out pretty far. I don't want to say it's rare, but you're not always like chasing the team in front of you or, or trying to get away from the team behind you. It's it's just like, all right, we're here. Uh, we got to go a little bit faster, which can be definitely a little bit challenging. Throughout the event, right, there's the, the various tasks that you have to complete. Those require some technical skill, um, but they're not they're not overly complicated as long as your team has rehearsed them a little bit and, and has some guys that are pretty knowledgeable on the, the technical side of things. So that kind of leads me into my next question. Um, you said that you're all guardsmen. Um, you're mm -hmm. obviously a traditional guardsman. What's the training regiment like for this, especially as a team? Is it a lot of uh, relying on you as an individual to go out and do the physical and the uh, warrior tasks and drills that you have to do? Or it, you know, do you guys get together regularly to, to practice this as a team? Uh, that is one of the bigger challenges for us is getting everybody together. One, from a technical standpoint, right, just to build um, sort of those systems that we're going to be able to use to be successful, but also just from like a, a team camaraderie standpoint, right, building the trust um, that we're going to need to be successful out there. So the vast majority of what we do is is individual. You know, we, the Major Fry and, and Sarah McLaughlin, who are kind of running this whole thing from up in Vermont, developed a pretty solid training plan for everybody that they can execute on their own, you know, cardio fitness being the most important thing. That's where you're going to make up most of your time, but also with some of the technical things as well. Um, just knowing you're not, knowing your systems, things like that. And we have gotten together a couple of times, uh, go up to Vermont and um, we'll train together, uh, do some ski touring together, work on the systems a little bit, but that's really just sort of like a refresher and kind of working some stuff out. And then we're, we're super lucky this time to be going out um, about 10 days before the start of the actual event. So we'll be able to to get to Austria, climatize, and, and really start training together uh, immediately before the race. Could you kind of go a little bit more into detail about what, you know, like the day-to-day the -day aspect of these this event looks like? How does it play out over the, the two days that you're there? So there's a, uh, there's a mass start um, where you got all the teams that are, uh, pretty much, you know, the, the, our NATO partners are the ones that send teams to it. Last time, I think there were 20 
three or 24 teams that showed up, each eight-man team. Some countries send more than one. So you got a bunch of people together on skis, all standing together. And then the uh, the first event, and it's really just a sprint to that first one, is always going to be the, um, the simulated avalanche rescue. So basically, they take two of your avalanche transceivers, um, some safety equipment that we bring with us so that you can basically be found in the snow once you're buried. Um, and they go bury them in a designated area and we have to recover them. So if you don't recover them, you can't even start the race. You know, you can't go beyond that, which is one, a, a super essential mountaineering skill to be proficient at, right? Is being able to, to rescue other team members in the event of some kind of an emergency. So if you don't recover your stuff, you can't go on. You've, you've proved that you're not, you know, suitable to, to continue into the mountains where it gets a little more dangerous. Um, nobody really has too much trouble with that. Everybody goes from there. And then the rest of that first day is just a lot of movement up and down. They change the sequence of the events, you know, the where you're going to have the rappel or the rescue or the range estimation. So we don't know, or I don't recall off the top of my head anyway, exactly the sequence of the uh, the events this year. But you can expect a, a pretty full day of, of movement. You know, the total movement time um, last time was over the two days was something like between 14 and about 20-ish hours, um, you know, the faster teams obviously spent less time doing it. So you kind of go through those tasks and then the last event on that first day will be the, uh, the sledge pull. So pretty much what that is, is you're gonna, you're gonna pull a sled full of all of your team equipment uphill to the bivouac site for that night, which is cool because it means you're not carrying all of that stuff all day. Um, you don't have to carry all of your water for two days, you don't have to carry your sleep system, stuff like that until that last uh, few kilometer pull uphill where you're moving all of it at once. Yeah, so once you complete that, you kind of set up your tents, eat as much food as you can, settle in for the night, because it'll be a pretty early start the next day. You know, they, they stop your time at the end of day one, and then it's a mass start again on uh, the morning of day two, which follows pretty much the same the same format, right? Well, everybody starts together, you'll, you'll go through the different sequence of events, and then the last event is the... Uh, they call it a quick march, where basically your your time is is tripled. So you're a lot of incentive to do those last few kilometers pretty quickly, and that's it. And we cross the finish line as a team together. What is weighed more? Is it the time that it takes you to complete the different activities, or is it how well you actually complete the activities? So mostly you're looking at time. So the the overall time for the event is is what determines you know your your place or your ranking, and then you can make up time or lose time in certain events based on your performance there. So in some cases, it's just check the box, complete the task successfully. The faster you do that, the better. For things like the high angle shooting, you lose time or you have a time penalty for any of your targets that you miss. And that actually ended up really benefiting us uh, back in 2019 is, is we were one of only two teams, I think, to hit all the targets. And that actually bumped us up a place. It bought us enough time to place ahead of a team that actually finished time-wise ahead of us a little bit, which was pretty good. And then, um, you know, the, there's the quick march where that time is doubled. And then there's a uh, basically like a, a land navigation and time estimation portion of it where you look at a you look at your terrain, you know where you are, you know where you have to go and you have to estimate how long it's going to take you to get from point A to point B. Because, you know, that, that time distance analysis moving through the mountains is, is pretty important when you're from a military standpoint, right? When you're planning operations, but even as a as a civilian mountaineer, you just want to know how long it's going to take you to, to do stuff and if it's achievable. So you're basically penalized by how far off you are. Um, so if you go, even if you're if even if you get in ahead of time, your your estimation was still off. You still get penalized for that time as well. Ultimately, it's time, but that's how they assess the the, the penalties. I got you. So uh, you said you went in 2019. 
how did you guys do in 2019? And how do you feel going into this year compared to last time? Our big claim to fame last time is that we were the, the first team ever to complete the race on their first attempt. First time competitors don't usually finish. Um, and what that ultimately means is that if, if any one member of your team drops out for some reason, then, then you don't get to finish as a team. So you've got an eight-man team. Yet all eight of you have to finish together for it to count as us. So we were the first to do that, which was was pretty cool. You know, overall we finished 13th, I believe, out of the uh, the 23 or so teams that competed that year. You know, which we were were pretty happy with, right? We just wanted to finish together. That was our goal that time. You know, I would say that we're, we're looking at a a much more robust training plan this time guys have we've known about it for a little bit longer too we had had more time to to train and really start getting in some of that fitness so i think we're feeling pretty good i think uh, i don't know if this is an official team goal but but for me i would love to to break that top 10 for sure do you happen to know like on average how many teams don't finish and is it mostly a, a physical aspect that kind of breaks down the team or is it a more of a mental stress breakdown do you know I couldn't tell you for sure um, what a, an overall average number is. I know last time there were there were maybe two or three that didn't complete, and and sometimes it's an injury, and sometimes it's uh, it's just an equipment failure, right? If you have something catastrophic like a ski break, you know you, you're kind of you're not carrying an extra ski with you, right? We've got we bring some some little repair stuff and to to deal with some minor problems, but there are some equipment issues that you just won't be able to overcome. So that's those I would say are the two biggest things that will keep teams from finishing. I got you. How rugged is the terrain over there? Because I imagine it's it's a pretty in, probably a pretty intense course. I mean, it is. It's you're you're in the Alps. The majority of the race is above treeline. Um, you know, so you're looking at basically just rocks and snow. You know, the the Austrians do a really nice job of of setting up the course before everything. It's actually a training event that they do for their their soldiers is to to proof the course and make sure it's safe by doing some some avalanche control and marking it to make sure that that we don't get lost having never been there before. But yeah, I mean, it is definitely some some challenging skiing. At, there's some steep uphills. There's some some scrambling on rocks where there's some pretty high consequence falls on either side. I mean, it's we, we do our best, and the Austrians really support us in being super safe through it. But it's definitely not just you know walking uphill at a ski resort. Yeah, I can imagine it's a little bit different. From a personal standpoint, what do you think is the most challenging part of this whole thing? For me, my, my biggest weakness um, on the team for sure is just sort of my technical skills. You know, there, there's some guys on here that have, that have spent their entire career mountaineering or, or even just as an instructor at the Mountain Warfare School up in Vermont. Like they're very, very technically proficient. They're, they're really good at, at everything they do. And, and I don't have that same mountaineering background. And, and while I've been to the, the basic mountaineering course and, and done some other training up there, I'm, I'm certainly, because I don't use it all the time, I lose it. So it's great to have those guys around to, to make sure everything's going pretty well. And I'm a, I'm a strong skier. I feel good about that. You know, the, the biggest thing for me that I'm trying to control is just my fitness. That's the one thing that I know I can take care of as much as possible, you know, and it's been a, a real learning experience trying to, to adjust to that. I, I'm not an endurance athlete. Like I, I played football and lacrosse when I was a kid and, and through college. So I was used to, to sprinting and lifting weights. And now that is not going to prepare me to, to be successful here. So, uh, that's been a challenge as well, just trying to make sure that I can be some kind of asset to the team uh, where my my technical skills might be lacking a little bit. Going over there, I imagine, is a pretty amazing event from a personal standpoint, just being able to work with all of our NATO allies and uh, our partner forces who are over there who are also participating. I think one of the most 
interesting and kind of overlooked facts of the military that people might not necessarily think about is how much traveling we get to do to actually you know meet people from other countries, meet other cultures. What do you think is the best part about working and competing against these other nations? Really kind of seeing the camaraderie of, of all these different countries that all we all do the same thing, right? You know, soldiers and, and infantrymen from, from Austria, from Germany, from Spain, we're all pretty much the same, right? You know, we're, we're not speaking the same language all the time, although pretty much everybody there speaks English, um, you know, that being sort of the NATO language. You know, it, everybody kind of gets along right away. Everybody comes from the same, the same place, you know, figuratively, though not literally. So it's, it's really cool. And, and the Austrians do an awesome job hosting the event, bringing everybody together. There, there's a great dinner and a party after the race finishes where, where everybody's together. And there's a lot of, a lot of opportunity to talk to people from, from other countries, you know, exchange patches, share customs, things like that. And, and we all have a, a really good time that night. No, it's just a really, really awesome opportunity to see that we're all kind of working, working towards the same goal. We're all on the same team, even though we obviously don't get to see each other very frequently. You know, you, you said you're a teacher, you, uh, you teach history, uh, you're a lacrosse coach, I believe, correct? Uh, yeah, lacrosse and football. Okay, nice. Have you spoken to your students and your athletes about going on this, this trip, this event, and what have what has their reaction been to it? Uh, I've talked to them about it a little bit. You know, we're, we're not quite in lacrosse season yet, so it's not going to affect those guys uh, too much. But it's definitely something that, I, that I've talked to the athletes about quite a bit is that it was actually really cool for me to to have something specific to train for again you know when going from being a, a competitive athlete when i was younger and you, you know you're always working to get better for that next season um that was super motivating right and then and then, you know being in the military and, and just kind of thinking fitness is sort of important generally i keep working on it but you don't have a goal right like this has been you're just trying to stay in shape trying to do well on your your acft whatever but having this as a specific thing where it's actually not just me, right? We're, we're representing, I got to support my teammates. We're representing, you know, the army, right. And our country, as we go over there, you know, it's been, it's been helpful to, to have something meaningful behind it. Right. And trying to show that to, to the athletes that I work with is, you know, this isn't something that just goes away, right. You got to find what that meaningful thing is for you and, and work hard to go get it. That That's a really good point. I think a lot of people, uh, especially, you know, soldiers who, were competitive athletes before might actually relate to that really well because yeah i mean it, it's it is one thing to try to train for you know your annual physical fitness test and then it's another thing to try to train for something competitive Do, have you ever have you found that your mindset when it comes to training for this has bled over into trying to you know do better on your physical fitness tests or, or or maintaining your physical fitness for the military? And like, what kind of advice would you give to other people who might be in that same boat where they used to play, you know, competitive sports, but now don't and need that, you know, goal? Yeah. So for this event in particular, like I, I kind of mentioned before, really changed how I'm training, right? Tra training for a, you know, a multi-day endurance event is very different than, than training for, for those sports. And it's very different than training for, for the ACFT or, or whatever the fitness test might be. So it, it very much like opened my eyes to a whole new way of training, which has been, honestly, it's been both good and bad for me uh, from like a, an army physical fitness standpoint is that there's some things that the army would like me to do better on the ACFT that I'm not focusing on as much right now because I'm spending so much time doing uh, just running uphill mostly. 
but it, it really is about figuring out what your goal is and what things you want to get good at and trying to find a, a good way to train that, right? It's, it's working backwards from what are you training for rather than just, I'm going to go run today or I'm going to go bench press today. Um, you know, it should have that purpose, right? That I, I'm not real good at deadlifting, so I'm going to get better at that, right? And how you would train for that uh, beyond just doing more deadlifts, which is part of the answer, but not the whole thing. So yeah, I would say it's it's changed my perspective on, on ways to train and um, just sort of goal setting and, and how to achieve that without compromising too much some of the other things that you, you need to be good at. So you said your it's your personal goal to get into the top 10 this year. What what would it mean to you if one you surpass that goal or two if you maybe fall just slightly short of it and get you know eleven twelve you know something like that? Yeah, so I think um, obviously if we did better than that. I would feel from a personal standpoint, I would feel like my training over the last couple of years had been validated. Um, again, I'm I'm not a, an expert in endurance sports. I've kind of I've read some books and done my best, right? So that would make that would make me feel like I kind of did something right uh, personally, right? If we were in in good enough shape to, to do that. Um, and, and it would give us a lot of confidence, I think, as a team that we were on the right, on the right path um, as far as this competition went and hopefully could turn that into, you know, being on the right path generally as a, a military mountaineering force in the army. We, we like to think as, as American soldiers that we kind of do everything the best. And I think we do a lot of things really, really well. Um, but when it comes to fighting in the mountains, those guys that are over there living it and doing it all the time, are they're just the best in the world at it. Um, so the, the closest that we can get to our our NATO partners there, the, the mountain warfare proficiency that they have, um, the better off we're going to be. So I think the better we do, the, the closer we get to some of those those top competitors and those top mountain warfare forces, you know, the better off we'll be collectively. You know, on the other side of that, I think if it doesn't go the way we want it to, you know, some of that I think depends on the other teams, right? If we if we if we kind of improve our time by about 15 to 20%, which is sort of what it would take to to break that top 10, you know, but everybody else gets better too, then okay, we just got to keep working, right? We we sort of achieved what we thought to, it just turns out that the field got better too. You know, so I guess that that would be sort of like looking for a, a small win in there, um, though, obviously, it would be disappointing not to to do as well as we want or not to show much improvement from last time. Everything's a lot more put together this time than it was last time. Um, you know, b- better training plan, you know, better, larger team of of more experienced competitors. So I think we, we'd have to reevaluate some of the things that we did to prepare if things don't go well. No, that's a really good uh, way of looking at it. After 2019, did you guys bring back anything you learned from the other forces that you've maybe incorporated into your own training plan? Or uh, I know you don't work at the, the the school, but do you know if they brought anything back to you know bring into the curriculum? I'm sure there's some small technical points that those guys brought back over there. As you mentioned, there's nothing that has really influenced a ton about what what I'm doing with with my company here in Connecticut. I will say we one of the the key technical things that, that we had no experience on there at all was was using the uh, it's called a UT2000. It's a little sled. Uh, it's like a rescue sled. Picture sort of what like the ski patrollers might use on a mountain, but much smaller, something you could break apart and throw into a pack really actually very useful tool in the mountains, you know, way more valuable or way more useful than, you know, say like the Skedco that, that most of our units carry is sort of like their, their rescue litter. So just getting a little more proficient with that, seeing what some of the other resources that those guys are using out there. Um, so we have to use that sled in the race. So we obviously train on a little bit, but it, it has turned out to be a pretty 
valuable platform for moving casualties around the mountains. And then from a personal standpoint, was there anything that you got out of 2019 that you've tried to incorporate into either your professional life, your military life, personal life? Um, and then what are you trying to get out of this year? I mean, so that first time around, I mean, that was really like kind of the, that was like the best thing that the, the army's ever done for me, I guess. Right. Is, is that, you know, the service is supposed to sort of work both ways. Right. We, we do our part and there's some really great benefits to being, being in the army as well. So this, opp that opportunity just to go and do that and do something that I love and, and get paid for it was, was pretty cool. You know, I think, I think about this all the time too, is like, kind of just like say yes to stuff. You know, when I first looked at that, when I first got that email and, and looked at that and, and just thought about the rest of my life, I was like, man, it's going to, it's going to interfere with this and this and this, even though it's something I love to do, it still takes, takes you away from home for a little while. Um, I, I almost said, no, I almost like, ah, you know what, whatever, maybe, maybe another time. And I'm really glad I didn't, right. I'm, I'm glad that I kind of took that opportunity to, to just get involved and, and see where this led me. And I, I think for my, you know, my military career has definitely made me a lot more interested in studying and learning about uh, fighting in the mountains. You know, it's it's something that that our brigade takes pretty seriously and we train it when we can. We just don't always have the resources that we'd like to really be as proficient as um, as some of those those partner forces that live and work in the Alps all the time. So that was pretty cool. It, it's kind of piqued my interest in that particular aspect of of warfare. You know, as far as being back here, it's it's been uh, I don't know, it's just another gives me that motivation train, like we talked about before. Um, is that there's just something gets me up early, you know, gets me motivated to to drive up to Vermont a little more frequently than I would otherwise, just to get those laps in early and then maybe do a little skiing for fun afterwards. Yeah, it's it's just become I don't know part part of my daily routine over the last year or two. And then what would you say to anybody who you might might listen to this podcast or read the story that I'm going to write and get interested in maybe participating in a future Edelweiss raid? So the uh, the biggest thing is is getting into um, just ski touring, right, or, or backcountry skiing um, and getting some of the basic skills. So if you're not already doing that and you're but you're interested in doing this, that'd be the first thing that you'd want to kind of get good at. And not even like not even great, just kind of proficient, right? You don't have to be a you don't have to be a, an awesome skier to do well in this race, you know. And then the, the next thing is really just start working on that that endurance type of fitness, right? Is that you're going to probably want to do less really heavy lifting in the gym, trying to bulk up and get big, and, and a lot more, you know, of just kind of low intensity, long duration, ideally skiing. But in Connecticut, that makes it a little bit a little tougher for us than the guys that live closer to the mountains. You know, and of course, always reach out to if already in the military, reach out to your unit, right? Like they're the point of contact is is usually through through the 102nd in Connecticut. And then um, obviously we go up to the Mountain Warfare School in the 86th Brigade. But right now, Vermont and the and those guys kind of own this event for the for the country, which is really cool. It keeps it close to home, you know, and we, I, we'd like to see it grow, obviously. Um, but I, I really do like having some of that personal connections with the guys that are leading it, which I think makes it accessible for for us, it makes it accessible for someone like myself and Sergeant Vincent, the other Connecticut competitor. You know, we're not from a mountain state, really. Like we're just happen to be close enough to it that we can uh, can be a part of this. Awesome. And I know we're kind of running out of time here, so I, I would just kind of end on this. What is you know your your favorite part about this event, and what what's your best story that you have coming out of 2019 and maybe the training year that you've had you know over the last couple of years? I think, uh, you know, just I don't know, going the, 
reverse order there. The, the training year over the last couple of years, like I said, it, it's changed everything I do, but I've, I've started to really enjoy this type of training. I, I've become one of those, those weird running people that I never wanted to be where I'm out there going, you know, 15, 20 miles on a weekend and, and just having a good time and like smiling about it, which is weird. Um, never thought I'd be there, but it, it's cool. Cause you know that you're doing it for a, a bunch of good reasons, right? So the, personal motivation, wanted to challenge myself a little bit. And then obviously getting to represent, you know, the army and the country against our NATO allies um, is, is pretty awesome. And as far as the event itself, I think, I mean, for me, the, the, the best moment by far was, was probably the more, not by far, but the best moment was the, the morning of the second day um, where we start much earlier. You start, you know, way before the sun comes up and just being, being that high up in the mountains when the sunrise, you get the Alpen glow and it's just like, it's the most beautiful place in the world is the most beautiful thing you're going to see and, and you're tired and you're you're sucking and, and things don't really feel great at the moment but you kind of I don't know it's one of those things that gives you a little bit of extra motivation to just finish through the day and that's something that most people don't get right there's not too many people that are in the mountains at sunrise that often and it's a cool experience if you've never had it before awesome well uh, again sir I want to thank you for taking the time out of your day to talk with us about this this was a great conversation and uh, I hope you guys you know, have a, a really successful trip. You guys do really well. Break that top 10 and uh, come home maybe with a victory. That's the goal. Thank you very much. I appreciate your support. Thank you for listening to the Stand Guard Podcast, a production of the Connecticut National Guard. Please make sure to like and follow us wherever you listen to your podcasts.